On this episode, we talk to Patrick Elmer from Fox Funding. We talk about what Fox does, what the development market looks like, and why they don't use valuations, and much, much more. Now, time to spend 30 minutes in finance. Hello, everybody. My name is Patrick Elmer. I'm the founder and managing director of uh, Fox Funding, and we are a bridge and development lender. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on, Patrick. Really appreciate your time. Um, and just again, for everybody listening, um, are you able just to give us a little bit of background onto how you actually got into the industry? Yeah, sure. I previously had a, a career in finance, largely with uh, large FTSE 100 companies with uh, NatWest, BAT, Ernst & Young, and so on. And there came a point in my career where I just fancied doing something smaller and more entrepreneurial. Um, and so I teamed up with with Fox, uh, which in those days was just a family office. And we then moved into property lending. Uh, I have to admit, having made that change in gear, it has been quite a relief to find that the skills that I learned in big companies seem to work equally well in a smaller environment. Well, that's good. And what were you doing in the, the larger companies? I was an M&A specialist, so mergers and acquisitions. So I'd sort of go around um, the UK and, and indeed globally buying and selling uh, businesses in order to uh, try and extract the kind of synergies that you can get from global consolidation. Okay, so I, I guess it does cross over pretty nicely in terms of you really get to dig into the meats and bones of uh, sort of businesses and obviously the clients you're going to be working with may probably to a smaller scale I would imagine uh, now um, and obviously that that shift into Fox was that something that you just sort of got bored of doing um, the M&A stuff or uh, was it was there something that gave you that little push? Well I think I think it's always exciting to turn over a new chapter um, and it is true to say that there are a number of sort of common skill sets between what I was doing previously and, and what's required to uh, run a, a bridge and development lending business. So in particular, uh, the contracts, uh, which are very important to, to both. Um, but then there are other things like going out and actually finding the deals and, and working with teams, making things happen, looking at, at due diligence. So I, I guess it's a different slant on the same sort of um, area that I, I do now. Yeah, because one thing, obviously, we, we haven't spoken about before, and I, I, I just thought of now, um, uh, is when you're actually going out to sort of find business as Fox, how do you guys do that? Have you got sort of social media channels? Do you have BDMs, or or what's the sort of structure behind that? No, uh, David, I'm afraid we're, <laughs> we're terribly old-fashioned. Um, I think I'm probably a bit too... A bit too old to learn social media uh so our emphasis really is on face-to-face -face, um interaction i mean we are very lucky to have relationships with a small number of uh high quality brokers who who kindly share their clients with us um and what we like to do is actually get out on site and meet with somebody and try and discover what it is that that, that they are um looking to looking to achieve and i'm afraid we do leave uh, twitter and instagram to others, which I think is a shame, because I think actually our industry would lend itself well to Instagram, given the number of photogenic buildings that we look at. 
but but one of our metiers is to try and be very discreet about who our clients are and what we're working on uh, so that that element of privacy is retained yeah no and obviously coming on places like this you know that'll help a little bit <laughs> spread the, the good word um but yeah it's, it's an interesting one because obviously how big in terms of how many members of staff does fox have well fox is still quite a sort of niche operator i mean in the family business overall there are about a thousand but that's because um there's a large uh industrial uh company or, or set of companies there um in the actual bridge and lending division there are six of us i mean it, it ebbs and flows a bit so there are really four of us who are forward facing um and then we have a back office as well but i suppose it's true to say that we do run an outsourcing model um so while we don't uh, actually have them on the payroll we do cause an awful lot of lawyers to be employed and <laughs> an, awful, an awful lot of uh, quantity surveyors as well yeah no that's interesting and when it, it comes to obviously the introductions you mentioned you've got a few brokers is that pretty much the uh the majority of your deal source from brokers or do you get any direct deals um, we we do get a small number of direct deals. Um, it's about ninety percent comes uh, well, about eighty percent comes through brokers. About ten percent comes direct, and about ten percent comes through other intermediaries. Okay, is that like solicitors and surveyors and and all of that? Kind Accountants of and yeah, the usual sort of professionals. Yeah, hmm, well, that's interesting. Now, obviously, we've kind of, we've jumped a little bit ahead there slightly, and it's. Would you be able to give us the, the sort of brief elevator pitch on, on what Fox does? Obviously, it's bridging and development, um, but a bit more sort of meat to, to that. Sure. Well, we, we started out uh, uh, lending money to farmers um, and um, we did a number of agricultural loans where, where we had a good experience. Um, and then we thought, well, actually, maybe maybe we're onto something here. Maybe we can use our balance sheet and our uh, skills in other related markets. And we started doing bridging loans. And then we found over time that the rates on bridging loans became increasingly competitive. And we started moving then into development loans, so lending to, to property developers. And our, our, our loan book is currently about 80% development loans, 5% agricultural and 15% uh, bridge lending. Now, virtually all of our loans are residential. So about 85% of our loans are either exclusively or predominantly residential, but we do do a small amount of commercial developments as well. And I probably should have said at the start that all of our, our, our loans are only available for commercial purposes. So we're not lending mortgages on people's own homes yeah so it's all the unregulated side of things yeah. and it's interesting obviously coming from sort of the agricultural side because that's quite a, a difficult difficult sort of area to fund was that because of your previous experience or was that just what the business was doing prior to you joining i think to be honest david it's just that i grew up on a farm and so i've always found it easy to talk to to farmers <laughs> and i you know always enjoyed the you know the, the odd day out in the countryside um so i think <laughs> it was i think it was purely though. purely coincidence i think it probably works commercially as well because farmers uh tend to have quite good security in terms of rolling acres yeah yeah it is an interesting sort of space uh, definitely and obviously then moving into the development side was there sort of uh, i know i sort of heard a, a previous story about how that 
started I think would be interesting to share um, in terms of maybe your first for sure uh, yeah, I mean, development <laughs> when we I mean when we first got into developer finance we were obviously quite nervous um, because you, you look at your security and you know something is going to happen to it and so we started off doing fairly light refurbishments um, and we then got into more heavy refurbishments so refurbishments requiring planning permission um, and structural work um, but we do now actually go the whole way and do ground up as well and I have to admit we sort of got into the ground up space not in not intentionally at all um, we had a developer who bought a house and we were going to fund him to to split it into three flats and, and build an extension and I do remember it was taking a little bit of time to, to actually get the project um, off the ground and he, he rang me one day and said oh we we completed the demolition Patrick and I said, well, <clears throat> how do you mean the, the, the demolition? This is a refurbishment. And he said, yes, yes, but we've decided it's going to be much more cost effective to demolish and rebuild. Well, <clears throat> I have to admit, say I had a sort of sense of humour failure would, would probably be a bit of an understatement. And we very nearly um, called in the loan. But we decided to, to, to stay with it. And I have to admit, I think the developer did make uh, the, 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 the right call because... Clearly, in demolishing and rebuilding, he saved himself 20% VAT, but he also ended up with a much better um, uh, product, one which was much uh, uh, better insulated, and the layouts and flows were obviously <coughs> better for today's environment. So I think he did us a bit of a favour. We realised that the ground up wasn't quite um, as hard and difficult as we had assumed, and I would say now that of our development loans, roughly half are ground up developments. Okay, wow, yeah, and I can imagine that not helping the blood pressure. If somebody <laughs> did that to us, that's for sure. I'd be a little worried. Um, as on the, the development space, obviously I know Andre, who, who works with you guys, is great. What sort of experience do you guys have sort of personally in sort of going out and assessing the deals? Um, and one of the key points that, you haven't mentioned yet that I know is obviously that in a lot of or most instances I think um, uh, like evaluation isn't required you go out and do your own research on the site um, how is that sort of how did that come about well as regards our experience I, I, I guess we're largely homegrown I mean I have done a couple of developments myself um, and they were sort of okay but I didn't think it was a, a, a paid fantastically to my skill set um, but we have now been at this for eight years, so we have been out and seen an, a huge number of sites um, and evaluated a very large number of uh, projects. Um, we we don't do valuations, you're right, David. I mean, I think in the bridge and development lending space, when we set up eight years ago, we had competitors, but not very many, but there are now a huge, huge number of uh, lenders um, in this space. And I suppose that leads on to the question of sort of, well, you know, why is it that people come to, to Fox um, rather than our competitor down, down the road? And I think there are two basic reasons for it. One is we can move very, very uh, quickly. And the reason we can move very, very quickly, or one of the reasons is because we don't use external uh, valuers. So there's no delay of a month while you book in the external valuer and wait for their, their report. And that obviously helps a great, great deal. Um, the other reason is that um, we are funded um, through a single family um, and that means we are in charge of our own credit policy 
um, as opposed to one that is set by our wholesale funder. And that does mean that we can look at many of the opportunities where our competitors, you know, their, their, their programs would have a sort of computer says no attitude. Um, and we will look at some of the riskier uh, loans. So that would be uh, relatively inexperienced developers. We often fund those. We can look at funding borrowers with adverse credit history. And we're very comfortable about funding um, offshore expat borrowers as well. Okay, brilliant. And what sort of loan to value and, and rate can people expect at the moment? Well, it, inevitably, this has come down quite a lot in the last in the last year. Uh, we now get up to about seventy percent loan to GDV. For bridge loans, we go up to seventy five percent loan to value, and those numbers are much lower. Those those numbers are both for residential, and if we're looking at commercial, we'd look to cap it at fifty five to sixty percent. Okay, um, and is that seventy and seventy five and sixty, uh, sort of fifty five and sixty? Is that the gross figure that you'd go up to? Yes, exactly. Do are most of your deals sort of interest retained or interest rolled up? I guess on the development side of yes. things. Um, do you offer any form of servicing? Uh, well, we, we we obviously like it if borrowers um, offer to service. But no, in practice, virtually all of our development loans, uh, we will retain the we'll retain the interest, and so we'll have the the interest and capital will all be repaid when yeah. the property is sold or refinanced. Um, and the, the one area where we do insist on servicing is if we're lending against an income producing property. So perhaps if we were lending against a block of flats that was fully rented out, we would expect the interest to be serviced from the rent. Okay, perfect. And you, you mentioned obviously things have, have come down, and I'm guessing that in terms of loan to values, that's to do with the current sort of wobbly economic climate. Um, how otherwise has that sort of affected your business? Well, I think I mean I think it's not a good time, or I think it's become a much more challenging time for developers and borrowers, because there's no doubt that the the rates have gone up by about two or three percent. Uh, per annum in the last year, and lending ratios correspondingly have gone down. Um, I mean, I think it, it, it's also altered our actual outlook as, as lenders. You know, a number of our competitors have scaled back on their appetite, and others have been far more reluctant to increase the lending period. And to be honest, this means that we have been very, very busy. Uh, we've done a lot of time-sensitive bridges where existing lenders have refused to roll over their facilities, and we're doing a lot more development loans where we are being more selective. I think it's no longer a question of just looking at the kind of pounds per square foot GEV or costs. It's more a question of looking at a scheme and seeing how it will appeal to M buyers, looking at things like distance to shops and public transport, the amount of outside space and some sort of feature that will put it ahead of the competitors, whether it's green energy, south facing or great views. Yeah, because it is. I think that's the, the key at the moment is just making sure as things are harder to fund for the end buyer, um, it, it is something that will go. Um, and that kind of 
it's a, uh, leads on to a, a good point in terms of the actual size of deals that you do. Um, where are we in terms of sort of rough minimums and maximums? Well, we we can occasionally do very small loans, but we find that our our cost structure and, and um, means it's not really economic to lend much less than four hundred thousand, and we top out at about four million. Uh, but we are we do have a lot of flexibility, and so I think the, the very smallest ever loan we did was one for fifty thousand. I'm not sure it was hugely economic, but we had a, a mm -hmm. borrower who was desperate to close the purchase of a property on an advantageous basis. Um, and the largest loan we've done is 5 million. Okay, wow, that's pretty chunky. Um, and when you just mentioned the, the advantageous purchase there, um, do you guys, when you come to doing the bridges, let's say it's a purchase, uh, what's your view on sort of lending against purchase price or sort of open market value um, not that you use valuations, but in terms of someone who came to you and said, look, this is worth 300,000 all day long, or, or maybe a million for your numbers. Um, and I can pick it up for 700,000 because of X, Y, Z. Um, where do yeah, you sort of stand on those? We do, we, we, we do get uh, a lot of opportunities are bought to us in that, in that way, David. We're, we're usually fairly sceptical, because to be honest, okay. as lenders, we have to sort of think, well, if something went wrong, we had to enforce and we had to sell this property. You know, while it might be worth, in theory, a million quid, if the best the last guy could sell it for was 700,000, that's probably all of our security is going to be worth. So I wouldn't say it's impossible, but we tend to think that a purchase price, you know, struck by two in, between two independent third parties, um, that reflects the value of an asset. Um, mm -hmm. I guess the one exception that, that I have seen recently is where somebody was buying the adjoining building and he was able to buy the adjoining building for what I think was market value but he explained that it was worth a great deal more to him because he was able to put it together with the building next door and they were able to create a much uh, stronger scheme so I think if there was that kind of compelling development or industrial logic we might look at it that way but I think otherwise we will take the purchase price as being what a property is worth as security for us yeah no that makes sense and I guess would you consider things like option agreements where they've gone and got planning permission, um, but they agreed the price prior to that? Is that sort yes. of thing to your Sorry, opinion? sorry. Okay. Yeah, David, I, I, I stand corrected. Clearly, if somebody's bought a, a, a property or, or struck a deal and then obtained planning permission, usually the value goes up very substantially. Yeah. We're happy to look at we're happy to look at that. Yeah, because I guess the, the one circumstance we see a lot, which is the one that I'm most skeptical of is we're buying from a receiver for 50% of the actual value. Um, and I was like, well, <laughs> what do you think would happen if it went wrong? We'd get, you know, our receiver would probably get 50% of what it's actually worth as well. And and that's the, the hardest one, just convince people <laughs> on at least some of the, the brokers. Um, but when have, talking of sort of the odd thing that you've done, have you got any sort of really interesting deals that you've done lately or over your over the last sort of few years that are sort of stand out to give people a little bit of a, a flavor of the sort of things you do well we've we've done well over 100 uh deals since we sort of set up and i have to admit all of them have have, have their own sort of particular um uh, foibles which i found interesting uh you know recently we we funded the conversion 
of a, a beautiful listed pub just outside Birmingham into six flats. And the developer did do an amazing job in preserving the character of the pubs and the flats all sold really quickly. But gosh, <clears throat> the council really did not help. There were endless delays in getting planning permission for minor variations, and many of their requirements seemed highly subjective. In total, the local planning authority delayed completion by 12 months, which really did uh, dent the financials. Uh, more positively, we <clears throat> funded a recently retired uh, former English international sportsman on his first development. He bought a disused nursing home, and within six months, he had gained C3 residential planning permission to split it into 12 houses, and he then sold it. Do you know, I've never seen anyone make so much money so quickly. <laughs> going, going, yeah, going back to his sporting days, I think what he really managed was to enthuse the entire team to work together as one. And <clears throat> when I say his team, I think that included the planners and the bar. It was an extraordinary achievement. Mm, we, 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 we've yeah. also had a we've also had a fair number that we've had to turn down, or one that's you know got away. I do remember one particularly low loan to value loan, all going well and into legals, until we discovered the borrower had pulled a replica handgun on a traffic warden some years earlier. Oh, wow. and we thought, <laughs> gosh. If that's how he chooses to negotiate with traffic wardens, we probably don't want to negotiate any further with him. Yeah, the when the receiver's coming, be, <laughs> that, yes. yeah, that'd be an interesting sort of standoff. Um, but but yeah, that's a, a sort of that's the joys of blending, isn't it? And um, is I think it, you know, it's a shared variety, the shared variety <laughs> of properties and personalities that we deal with. Yeah, it's a, it must do, and obviously, if you guys are going out to meet everybody. Um, it, is there any particular reason that you do that as opposed to the valuations? As I know we, we've kind of touched on it previously, but with the valuations, you get the cover of um, their PI insurance in case you there's a mistake somewhere. Um, is that something you guys are conscious well, of? Well, I have to admit, we, we quite often see other people's valuations and they're usually immaculate in terms of describing the asset and very, very helpful there. But I think sometimes what a property is worth um, can be a lot more subjective. And the idea is that by doing our own um, internal valuations, we have to think about it a lot harder. Um, and there is a huge, you know, nowadays there is a huge amount of public information on what properties sell for. And so we have to data mine uh, through all of that. Um, and it does make us really think about not, not just what the property is worth, in theory, but actually how liquid the property is likely to be, um, how quickly, um, you know, if we had to, if we had to take enforcement action, how quickly we might be able to convert security uh, into cash. Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea. And you mentioned you often see other valuations. That does that mean quite a lot of your lend uh, sort of borrowers um, have gone to alternative lenders initially and maybe had it turned down where they literally was a computer says no situation and then they come to you or do they you know how does that i think it, i think it means two things i think it means that quite a lot of our borrowers are refinancing and so quite often the valuations that we see are a year or two old but they still contain a good description of the asset and then yeah. yes i think it means that quite a number of our borrowers have gone along to high street banks 
and tried to borrow money at, to be honest, much cheaper rates than, than we as an alternative lender are able to offer, they've been turned down. And so then they come uh, to us to get the more personal service that we can offer. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, because we, we get that a lot from our own lending as well. But it is, you know, it's not always first choice because, you know, you've got to look after the go for the lowest rate first. But it isn't always about that. And I'm sure you'll agree in terms of from the sounds of it, a lot of your business will people will come to you because of that flexibility um, and the ability to take a, a view and really dig into the deal as opposed to a, a tick box exercise. Well, I, I think that's right. I, mean, I think we need to remember that it is a, a hugely competitive market and there is nearly always some other lender who will be offering a deal that's a few bits lower. Yeah. But I think what developers and borrowers need to consider really is the quality and the speed of the service and the certainty. And in my view, borrowers are often best served by paying a little bit more to have that absolute certainty of funding and to having it a little bit sooner. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it is a case of actually doing the deal sometimes. Um, you know, you might pay a little bit more, but you could waste months and months with a lender that is looking for just to, you know, to save you 0 0.1, 0 0.2. Um, and it, it's in the end, you would have been a lot better. <laughs> You'd be halfway through the build uh, by then. Um, do you have any sort of particular advice for sort of brokers uh, in particular that would be actually sort of offering up deals to you that to make things that they should look at that maybe sort of brokers don't, that don't deal with the don't development finance that often? Well, I, I mean, I think there are a couple of uh, points. I mean, one of the things that we place great emphasis on is goal alignment between the lender and the borrower. And the way we achieve that is by making sure that the the, the um, borrower um, is fully committed to the project. So we make sure, you know, that there's a, a good amount of equity in the project because we take the view that if the borrower is not prepared uh, to put in a fair amount of money then why then why should why should why should we um and i think that's i think that's really uh important in in structuring um a, a product um and i think otherwise early engagement is always a a, a good idea because i i guess what some brokers do is they spend a lot of time sort of structuring the loan and then find that they struggle to gain the finance and if they do bring in a lender early on you know we're very happy to review the business proposal tell you what we think of it you know and even if you know it ends up being funded by somebody else that's fine we'll we'll, we'll still happily you know give you our initial thoughts um on it and and that then gives you the opportunity uh to perhaps uh re repackage it um you know in the best possible manner in the manner that's most likely to result in getting funding at a reasonable rate yeah because it, it is a, a, a difficult one because i think there's a, a huge discrepancy in sort of broken knowledge especially on developments bridging finance obviously a lot more sort of straightforward um and when it comes to kind of getting that because how much information do you expect to be provided as opposed to that you will sort of go out and find yourself so if somebody came to you and said essentially is the name of the borrower the purchase price the gdv and the build costs would that be enough and the address 
Um, or uh, sort of how much more initially just to give a, a rough I think, of yay or nay? I think, I think generally speaking, more is more. But actually, Dave, what you've outlined is the guts of what we need because with the postcode, we can always pull up the planning and look at the drawings. Um, and if we have an idea of the square footage, we can pretty soon get an idea as to whether the GDVs sound about right yeah. and whether the build cost seems realistic. Um, and I suppose at the moment, it's perhaps a build cost that are most troubling of all. Um, it's been well reported in the press that build costs have gone up. And sometimes people with, you know, more long-standing proposals haven't fully reflected that that reality. Yeah, because that, that is a, a big, a serious sort of issue at the moment that we're seeing a lot of the developers we work with as well um, really struggling to keep those costs down. And obviously every penny eats into their profit and with the interest, it's some of the deals just aren't tenable, which is, I guess, why we stick to the, and you stick to the sort of loan to value you do. Um, I, I'm conscious of the time, and I don't want to keep you forever. So is there any kind of other information or anything else that you'd like to share uh, with the listeners today? Uh, well, not really, David, other than to say, you know, there's, there's been a lot in the press about <clears throat> the, the rain clouds that are gathering um, over the industry because values are falling and costs are, are increasing. And I just think in amongst all that gloom, we do need to remember what actually underpins um, the residential developments in the UK. And that is that we've got a huge housing shortage. Uh, and I, I, you know, certainly been pleased to play my own sort of small part in helping to solve it over the last few years. And I think, you know, that, that will continue to take us um, through in the, in the medium and longer term um, to this being a good industry to be involved with. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And we definitely need a lot more houses. So hopefully, if any brokers are looking for development finance, do get in touch. And where can they find you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with, with either you or Fox directly? Uh, the best the best way, I think, really is is um, through our website, um, which is www.foxfunding, all one word, .co.uk. Perfect. That'd be brilliant. And what I'll do is I'll make sure that's linked in the description. So if anyone does want to have a uh, get in touch with Fox or have a look at the website, just go ahead. Um, let us know, obviously, if you do, um, and then hopefully you can get that sorted. But otherwise, I think that is everything for today. I don't want to keep you forever. So thanks so much, Patrick, for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully, obviously, we'll have to get you back on um, in a, you know, at some point later in the year to see how things have changed. And, and we'll go from there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Some very probing questions there.